show Sportsnet 59 the band Bandana is Brent Gunning. More, 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 more. We are channels. still here. All right. They they tried to they tried to stop us nice and we out. said give I us more. It. Yeah. It might have been it. the polar opposite. Who can say? Who? Uh, yeah. Uh, Blue Jays are playing a playoff game today. I don't know if they were. Uh, so, yeah, uh, an extended morning show right into Blue Jays Talk Plus. J.D. Bunkus uh, taking over at noon today. So if you're listening to the radio station expecting to hear his voice, you got to wait a little bit later on. And then the uh, podcast after that. So starting at 4.38 p.m., the Toronto Blue Jays facing off against the Minnesota Twins in the best of three American League wild card series. Blue Jays encouraging fans to grab friends and get Next level loud to cheer on the team as they begin the race to bring a World Series championship back to Canada. To help fans gear up, they've given us Blue Jay swag packs to give away this week. Ooh, doesn't want a swag pack. To enter for a chance to win, text in today's code word WILDCARD to 590-590. Again, that's WILDCARD to 590-590. We will be giving away more swag packs tomorrow, so make sure you tune in for that. Game one tonight. Or this afternoon. Like, it's it's borderline. I feel like after 5 o'clock, it becomes evening, and we can say tonight, 4.30. I think we still got to say afternoon. You could go supper hour, maybe. I feel like that'd be a Midwest term. I mean, supper hour if, like, I guess you're 80 yeah. years old well, or, I, or a toddler. Oh, oh, yeah, no, 80-year-olds hate baseball. We should not talk about them on a playoff game <laughs> day. Right. You're right. Old guys hate it. Yeah, okay. All right, so supper hour. Uh, <laughs> Blue Jays looking to pick up their first postseason victory in the Vlad and Bo era, which is something. They're 0-4 in such games under those two dudes. Not nearly what the Twins are trying to snap as far as losing streaks. Oh, for their last 18 postseason games. Now, of course, a lot of these Twins players have not been a part of those previous teams. But, yeah, it's a, it's a major league baseball record that they'll be looking to snap this afternoon at suppertime in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. That's where we find our man Dan Schulman getting ready to call playoff baseball on SportsCenter. How's it going, Dan? I am ready already. I am beyond getting ready. I am ready. You're ready. Yeah, I, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready as well. I think that the, the the fans in this city are ready for the memories of this this regular season. While there were some positives, no doubt. And man, I, I go back to that Fenway Park series and Davis Schneider's uh, debut, and and you doing some uh, great work on the call of that series, and and the historic moment that was his first at bat, and. You know, subsequent at bats for him. That's that series. Th- those were those were great moments, but they were kind of few and far between for a team that made the playoffs, Dan. And I, I don't think I'm I'm saying anything that that too many Blue Jays fans are going to disagree with. But now it, it it feels like there's a chance to totally rewrite what was uh, like just a factually successful season, 89 wins yeah. and getting into the postseason, but but not one aesthetically that I I, I think people thought would be um, I think I think people thought it would be more enjoyable to watch than it was. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think some of it is just that they didn't hit as much as we thought they would, and especially at home. Like we all know, and you'll hear about this during the broadcast, like uh, five runs per game on the road, 4.2 runs per game at home. Seventh in the majors and runs scored on the road, 24th at home. Um, I think when a team doesn't hit, like if you have a great hitting team that isn't pitching all that great, say like 2021, It's still crazy fun sometimes. It's just crazy frustrating sometimes. But when you have a team that doesn't hit as much as they should, especially in front of the home fans, I think that's when fans can uh, get a little bit grumpy. And, and, uh, you you know, you said it perfectly. Factually, it was a good season. I I know people don't want to hear this, but they won 89 games 
in the toughest division in baseball. Um, they were one game behind Houston and Texas with a factually harder schedule than Houston and Texas had. Like, you can make a case this was the third best team in the American League this year. None of that matters. I get it. All they have to do now is clean slate and win some games. And as you said, they haven't won a playoff game in the Vladdy Bo era. Not that that's all on Vladdy or Bo, just using that as a timeline. But now is the time to show they can play up to their potential and they can be the team that everybody has expected them to be. And both within and from outside, you still hear things uh, like, you know, you look at the talent on paper. <clears throat> Excuse me. You look at the names. You look at the what well, you know. The talent is as good as anybody out there. Now's the time to show it. And and as I'm sure we'll get into, this Minnesota team's a little bit better than maybe the average Blue Jay fan realizes. It's been a long time since the Blue Jays have seen the Twins, and the Twins are a better team now than they were back in May and June. And this is not going to be easy. I'm not so sure this was the preferable matchup to the Rays, to be honest with you. But this is where the Blue Jays are, so now it's time to go out and win a couple games. Yeah, and you know, a big part, I'm sure, of your thinking anyways is why to why maybe they weren't the preferable matchup is the matchup specifically with the Game 1 starter and Kevin Gosman. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've got a ton of belief in Gosman, too. We've seen it so much this year that even when he's not at his best, he is able to find a way through spit, guile, whatever it is, to give you six innings, give you a chance. This Twins team has been tough against him and the ability to stay off the the splitter just how how early on in the game do you think we'll have a feel for for how that chess match is going uh edward julian's at bat to begin the game maybe (laughs) (laughs) um so it's a great point and it is one of the reasons why i thought maybe the rays were a preferable matchup um the rays didn't see gosman this year right and minnesota saw him twice and his uh chase rate in those games for people who don't know the percentage of time player uh, hitters swing at pitches outside of the zone, which obviously is huge because of his splitter. His chase rate in those two games were his lowest and his fourth lowest among his 32 starts this year. Either they are an incredibly disciplined team with an incredibly good game plan, or, you know, they picked up something. And, and this has been a concern for the two years that Gosman has been here intermittently, not every start, but periodically the Blue Jays, you know, a game goes, they go into a game and Gosman looks like himself, except they're just not swinging at the splitter very much. So, um, you know, periodically the Blue Jays are concerned that maybe Gosman is giving something away. We all know they have spent hours and hours and hours on that this week to try to make sure that he's not giving anything away. But Julian, the Quebec City kid, who's a terrific hitter, like in a, in a future star, possibly, um, he gets on base a ton. He he saw 35 pitches from Gosman this year in six plate appearances. He swung at five of them, five of the 35 pitches. He had a double, three walks, and two strikeouts. So um, Minnesota will strike out a lot, mm. but they're not necessarily impatient, if you know what I mean. They get deep into the count, so they strike out a lot. So, But I think we'll know in the first inning. Um, you know, It's really, really important for Kevin Gosman, even if he doesn't give up any runs in the first, it's important for him not to have one of those two walk 29 pitch grinded out first innings it'd really be great to see him make quick work of them in the first i i, I just put myself in kevin gossman's shoes which we're, we're very different people i think um and there's a reason why he's kevin gossman and i'm ben ennis but like even if the twins didn't have something on me i'd be freaked the heck out dan like i'd be <laughs> i'd be so paranoid <laughs> But that being said, like, how could they have something on him, right? They, they, this goes over a couple of years and even beyond that, his entire career, he struggled against the, the Twins. 
and that's not the same roster and and players right. move around like and and he's been around for for so long it really doesn't make sense to me that it's like this one team they have the key to unlocking Kevin Gossman and somehow right. that hasn't leaked out to anybody else and he hasn't been able to figure it out yeah i don't know i mean i don't know the answer i'm not saying they do i'm just saying they have been very, very patient against him, and I know the Blue Jays are on high alert in their preparation for this game to do everything they can to make sure that they're not giving anything away. So hopefully they don't have anything. Maybe they just have a good approach. Um, you know, he talked about it. He, he brought up Joe Maurer's name yesterday. He said, ever since I've been in the league, the Twins have been tough on me. Now, Gosman is a much different pitcher and a much better pitcher than he was, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. Um, with Baltimore, but but he's well aware. But even a couple of the guys who the Twins have now were on the team a little bit earlier. Um, there's no way to know. There's no way to prove it. It's just something to keep an eye on, not whether they have anything on them, whether they are, again, very patient, driving his pitch count up, not chasing the splitters that look pretty good. Like we've all seen the games when Gosman toys with people, when they have no idea what's going on. And, and he has incorporated, as you guys know, the low fastball this year, like he'll, he'll say, not say, but he'll, you know, he'll say, okay, you're not going to swing at my splitter. I'm going to throw fastballs down. If you're just laying off anything down, I'll throw fastballs down. And, and it's a very good sign. If he gets two or three, you know, called third strikes on fastballs down, he constantly has to adjust because he's so dependent on two pitches. Chris Bassett can succeed in different ways, even if something is not working. For Kevin Gosman to be Kevin Gosman, you know, everything's got to be on because he's so dependent on those two pitches. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. And another thing I think about with this team in a broader sense is they've got some really good left-handed hitters. And they're not necessarily household names. Um, I think some folks know about Julian. I'm convinced hardly anybody knows who Matt Walner is. Uh, but they've got some good left-handed bats. And Gosman, Bassett, Barrios all have pretty significant splits whereas lefties, lefties hit him better than righties. So some of the matchup stuff, I think, favors the Twins um, in this series. I think the Blue Jays are a better team, but I think some of the matchup aspects of this series favor the Twins. Yeah, the matchup aspects are, are going to be really interesting to dissect. I mean, it always is at this time of year. And, you know, we when we talk about last year's playoffs, one of the things that gets talked about is Kevin Gosman getting taken out of the game. And I'm not even saying that was right or that was wrong. And somehow we've had a year to talk about it. I still don't know what the, what the right decision was there. But John Schneider's decisions are going to be under a microscope. One of the interesting ones he made over the last weekend of the regular season was giving Hicks the save opportunity or to lock it down as opposed to Romano there. Do you think that was him tipping his hand? Do you think that was him going for maybe a little confusion on the last day of of trying to throw off the scent of of what the plan is? What do you make of the way Schneider is going to handle the the end of games with those two specifically? So I think in the game where they did it, um, they brought, you know, Romano had had the two rough outings in a row. And that was a game the Blue Jays had to win. They hadn't clinched anything, obviously, at that point. And I think it was Romano gets the bottom of the order. Hicks gets the top because they felt Hicks had a better chance against the best hitters uh, on the other side for the Rays. So um, whether that happens today or tomorrow, I don't know. I don't think it was a, you know, throw anybody off the scent. I think he did what he felt was the best thing to do to win the game. I, I think he's done a lot of those things. By the way, I thought it was a great move. I mean, Romano was maybe in a rough spot, right, after those two outings. And to get him back in there against the bottom of the order in the eighth and give Hicks the top of the order in the ninth, I think was the right move. You know, we've seen him pinch hit for Matt Chapman. We've seen him drop Matt Chapman down to the eight spot. 
we've seen Kevin Biggio's role grow exponentially because he's deserving of that right now. I think what John Schneider's doing is trying to win the game they're playing that day. And that's, of course, what you have to do in the playoffs. I don't know what they're going to do in a safe situation uh, if, if one comes up here in Minnesota. If you forced me to guess, I would guess it's Hicks. Wow. I would guess Romano's in front of Hicks, but I don't know that. I like it, honestly, I'm not saying, uh, you know, I'm not pretending I don't have information when I do. I don't have information. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, that's a good problem for the Blue Jays have, to, to have if they get to the end of the game and they've got to choose between those two guys. But um, it, it is going to be a fascinating decision series because the Twins are built a little bit like the rays of last year and the year before, like if the four lefties are in the lineup, the four righties are on the bench. If the four righties are in the lineup, which they're not going to be because Kikuchi's not going to start, then the four lefties are on the bench and there will be a ton of opportunities for, should they bring in Cabrera here and turn and get this guy out of the game? Would Rocco Baldelli pinch it? But then what happens later? This is going to be a very chess matchy kind of series. I think because of the way the twins position players in their lineup is, uh, is made up well and i think the reverse is also true that the blue jays i think are going to trot out four lefties in the their starting lineup today against the righty but the twins i imagine are going to carry two lefties out of the bullpen which means could be some very interesting pinch hit opportunities especially if the blue jays are in a tie game or, or chasing the game late dan yeah. we haven't we haven't seen the the finalized roster yet blue jays have until 10 o'clock which is i mean so do the Twins, and, and whether Royce Lewis ends up on this postseason roster or not is going to be a huge, huge a piece of intrigue for me. But, I mean, how do you view the pinch hitting options for the for the Blue Jays and, and who they might carry on that roster, whether it be right. Davis Schneider? So, quick, quick thought on the Twins. I think Carlos Correa will be on the roster. I don't think Byron Buxton will be on the roster. I don't know about Royce Lewis. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Royce Lewis is another guy where a lot of Blue Jays fans might not really know the name. But a former first overall pick, just devastated by injuries for years, but was their best hitter for weeks at a time this year. Uh, hamstring injury, if he comes back, he'll probably DH. It'll compromise them a little bit defensively. So, But that's a big question for them. For the Blue Jays pinch hitting, it's a great question. And one of the questions I have, so I, I think the 14, I think they'll go 14 and 12, 14 position players and 12 pitchers. I don't think you need 13 pitchers in a three-game series. I would but, hope not. I would hope not. Yeah, if you do, you're probably not winning. So, um, But I think the 14 position players are the 14 guys they finish the season with. I think Schneider's there. I think Eden is there. I never for a moment entertained the possibility that Espinal wouldn't be there. I, I, I didn't understand the thinking behind that. He's your backup shortstop. He's versatile, and he swung the bat extremely well the last month of the season. So I think it's the 14 guys they close the season with. But one of my questions for... John Schneider today will be, let's assume Whit Merrifield is not in the starting lineup, but I don't think he will be. I think Biggio's in second, Varsho's in left. It'll look like it's looked a lot lately. You know, when a lefty, when Caleb Thielbar comes in in the seventh inning um, for a belt or a Biggio or a Kiermaier or a Varsho, uh, will they pinch hit? Because some of those lefties that the Blue Jays have actually have done pretty well against opposing lefties. Um, it, it, you know, will they pinch it might depend on when it is. If it's in the sixth inning, maybe you don't because you want that left-handed bat in there against a righty later in the game. If it's in the eighth inning, maybe you do, but if he is going to pinch it, do you go to Merrifield? Do you go to Espinal or do you go to Schneider? You've got like three different guys there. So 
Um, I, I think it could be three different situations. If they're, if they're looking for somebody to pop one out of the ballpark, maybe it's Schneider. If they're just looking for contact, move a runner, hit a fly ball, bring a runner in from third, maybe it's Espinal or Merrifield. So, um, again, I think, the, for lack of a better term, I think this is a very chess-matchy kind of series. I think you're going to see tons and tons of decisions and moves that can make or break these games. Yeah, John Schneider and Rocco Baldelli will be at the, uh, at the at the heart of it for sure. You know, we talk about the the Twins lefties that they have in the pen, and what normally when we talk about that from a Blue Jays perspective, we're talking about Meza or, or Cabrera. But I think we all expect Kikuchi to to be on the on this roster. Do you see a world where he's there, other than a kind of break glass mop up type thing, or could you see him come in and quasi leverage uh, as opposed to one of those other lefties they've used in the pen? It's like you're looking at my list of questions. Ooh. So, <laughs> so it's a great question because typically the guy in Kikuchi's spot, the fourth starter, who's obviously not needed in this series. Um, I mean, let's assume, uh, so they've announced Barrios, and let's assume it's gonna, it'll be Barrios and Bassett, right? So um, for Kikuchi, generally that kind of a guy is like hold back in case of emergency. An emergency would be an injury to one of the starters, in-game or an extra innings game. Um, But I think there's the possibility they could really, for lack of a better term, like weaponize Yusei Kikuchi here and and use him in a kind of role that could really make life difficult on Rocco Baldelli. And not that I hope a Blue Jay starter only goes four innings or something like that, but say, you know, the pitch counts up and they're down four to two or whatever. Um, If you bring him in in the fifth inning, knowing he can be in there for two or three innings, now Rocco Baldelli's got decisions to make because three of his four lefties do not hit left-handed pitching at all. So either he's going to pinch hit for them, or like we were saying before, uh, does he leave them in there because he knows righties are coming in later in the game? Hmm. I think Kikuchi's got a chance to have unintentionally maybe a very big role in this series because Kepler is good and Julian is good and Kirilov is good and Walner is good. And if you could get two or three of those guys out of the game by using Yusei Kikuchi for two or three innings, I think you go for it. But, uh, you know, it might depend on what game of the series it is. Like, if you do it in game one, now you're worried about what if there's a problem in game two or three. Maybe you're more likely to do it later in the series. But this is why we love baseball and why it drives us crazy, right? Because you can talk about this kind of stuff for hours and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I hadn't really considered that, but it's it's a really interesting uh, interesting point and, and something I'll be on high alert for. Um, Dan, apparently the, the get-in price for today's game, seven bucks, which is good for Winnipeggers. Like, are we expecting right. a, a, lot of, a lot of Canadians across the border for today's game? What's your sense? I really hope so. Um, ben Wagner told me yesterday, we were standing around the cage during the Blue Jay workout, and he told me he had looked, or somebody had told him, I can't remember, online on Saturday, mm. and there were 7,000 seats available, and then Sunday night they were gone. Mm. I hope that means that folks from Manitoba, when the Blue Jay, when we knew the Blue Jays were coming here, I hope that means that a bunch of folks from Manitoba are coming down. I have seen some um, around downtown, uh, not a ton, but I haven't been here all that long and haven't been out all that much. So I'm hoping we have four, five, six thousand. It's not going to be Seattle, obviously, but I'm hoping we have four, five, six thousand Canadians. Um, in a weird way, I'm glad the Blue Jays are starting the playoffs on the road. They played better yeah. on the road this year, you know, and I think maybe they feel less pressure on the road and they can just be themselves here. But uh, I'm hoping we have uh, a few thousand people from Winnipeg and uh, and the surrounding area 
um, coming down. That but maybe it doesn't pump up the Blue Jays, but maybe it discourages the Twins a little bit because you know what? Um, I, I was expecting a madhouse tonight. Like they they won the division and they got you know they got home field in the first round, and we all know they haven't won a playoff game in a zillion years, 0 and 18, and all that. I, I really thought. I was surprised to see that StubHub story, you know, $10 tickets and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that can uh, play to the Blue Jays' advantage a little bit. We'll see. Uh, it should be fun. It'll uh, be fun to hear your voice on, on a Blue Jays postseason game as well, Dan. Uh, best of luck on the call. Uh, thanks for doing this. All right, guys. Talk to you later. See ya. Dan Schulman getting ready for Blue Jays, Twins, Game 1, 438, first pitch from Minnesota, where tin, uh, Twins fans, maybe, maybe there's not a lot of them to begin with, but uh, perhaps not rallying behind this Twins team as we would have expected. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't appear that way, and uh, we'll we'll have our boots on the ground uh, again in a couple of minutes when we talk to somebody from the Twins' uh, s- side of things there. But, I mean, is it exciting that they made the playoffs? Yeah, we've talked about the 18-game losing streak not not eight mm-hmm. not even like 10 would be bad enough 13 would tie the record if they didn't exist but 18 can i just do one of my favorite things and just take you back name some dudes that were on the first team that mm-hmm. lost for these twins just to put everybody in perspective of the era of baseball we're talking about tory hunter we're talking about so that we're day. talking about tory hunter playing center field batting third that day mm-hmm. also Jay's legend, Shannon Stewart, Jacques mm-hmm. Jones, Canadian, Justin Morneau, Corey, Corey Koski. Sure, yeah. yeah. Michael Kadire was on that team. And uh, the, the just this part of it is a little sad. They're like, their great closer at the time, Joe Nathan, mm-hmm. blew it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was what started this run of never winning a playoff Man, game again. those were some good Yeah, Brad Radke, Grant Balfour also well, got in that game. Yeah, Johan Santana, yeah. of course, a yeah, he won. Legend. He won the game. You're right. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. He, he actually won a game uh, for this team. Well, that's the thing. It's not like this Twins organization doesn't have a history of winning. And, yeah, 91, mm-hmm. obviously. And even th- those teams, while they didn't win the ultimate prize, like the amount of talent on those teams were... Okay, yeah, I don't I don't it's extreme. I don't mean to make you sound 97 years old, but mm-hmm. you're just just a touch older than me. Mm-hmm. Did it always seem weird that they were playing games where the outfield wall just consisted of a garbage bag? Yeah, like I remember seeing highlights great. of this and yeah. be are people were people talking about this cuz I that when yeah. I close my eyes and think of the Twins, I think of Joe Mauer, mm-hmm. like a Kirby Puckett. And I think of garbage bags on the yeah. outfield wall. I should think. Of, I know. I should think of Justin Morneau well, and all what, that. I know. What What makes more sense? Playing in a <laughs> bubble with a garbage bag, or playing outdoors in April in Minneapolis? Right. Like yeah. the the fact that they built an outdoor stadium without a retractable roof. There it looks great, though. It does look great. It, it, like I think of it like as having like wood paneling. It's it's a weird yeah. looking it's, stadium. Well, that's why I think them and the Rockies are spiritual cousins because oh. they have like the timber in the outfield as well, kind of mm-hmm. like the Rockies do there. But yeah, it's a beautiful park. But maybe a roof. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, isn't it also like midges season? Don't don't oh, they also have that? Wasn't no, that was in Cleveland. It where was Joe in Cleveland. Got eaten alive. But do, do they not have the same issue? Near the lake in Minnesota, I like found the first question I'm gonna ask our next guest. <laughs> that was a good one on Kikuchi because that's that's Thank you. an interesting wrinkle if I can to impress this deal. You and Dan, you, I, eh, but if Dan uh, agrees, yeah, it was a good question. Uh, no, you, you must have been giving yourself a nice little pat on the back mm-hmm. there. Um, pat somewhere. It's tough. That's weird. Uh, it's 
<laughs> it's weird. It's uh, it's tough to do what we're talking about with Kikuchi and leverage in game one, considering he's the only guy that is the break glass in case of emergency guy that if, you know, say you win game one and Kikuchi pitches in leverage and throws like 30 pitches and then game two goes to extra innings and you have yeah. nobody just factually, physically to throw baseballs, the, you're in big trouble. The bad thing is, is that, and this is no way to live life, but if you burn Kikuchi today, and mm. please, God, don't let that happen because it, only bad things have happened if Kikuchi is getting in the game, and that's not to say he's bad, but it's just the, the game plan that would have worked out is that you almost need an injury to happen so you can replace the yeah, player. Right. That, like, you don't need somebody to stink. Mm-hmm. You need somebody's arm to fall off or something along those lines because, you know, baseball is going to be all over this. They're not going to let a phantom mm-hmm. injury add another guy to a playoff roster well, or anything if, along if those you, lines. If you are injured and removed from a playoff roster, yeah. you have to miss the next series. Mm-hmm. So that would be tough. And yeah. In a five-game series, you're probably yep. going to need more than the three starters you need in this one. Anyways, a lot of, a lot of ins and outs when it comes to decision-making in this series. Uh, we'll talk to a man who knows very well what we're talking about and, in, in, in fact, might be in the process of making one of those decisions right now as the postseason rosters have to be finalized in I was 35 say, minutes. That, my second question is about the midges. My first is, tell us your postseason roster. Well, <laughs> perhaps Derek Falvey, Twins president of baseball operations, will spill the beans with us. He joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan bananas, Brent Gunning, Blue Jays Twins, coming your way at 4.30 Eastern Time on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Game one of potentially three in this wild card round. So in 28 minutes... Major League Baseball teams have to have their finalized postseason roster submitted to Major League Baseball, which means our next guest is is still slaving away. He's got pen and paper, writing all the names down right now. It's Derek Falvey, uh, Twins president of baseball operations. Thanks for doing this, Derek. Hey, good to be on with you guys. Um, I, I mean, let's start there with the, with the postseason roster. Uh, a lot of uh, people curious as to whether Carlos Correa and or Royce Lewis will be on it. Is there is there anything you would like to break to, to us right now? <laughs> well, you know, we won't break it right now. Oh. But uh, but as I said uh, over the course of last week, those guys have tracked really well. Uh, we had a workout yesterday, you know, trying to make sure that everyone's in a, in a good spot going into today. But uh, feel good about the club that we'll be able to put together here. Hopefully, uh, hopefully shortly. Yeah. So I part of me wants to lie and say we're actually in Minnesota having this call with you right now. Are you sure you don't want to tell us? But we'll move on. We'll move on. I do want to know what goes into the <laughs> what goes into the machinations. What are the decisions like? Again, I'm not asking you to give me your exact process on those players unless you'd like to. But I can only imagine the millions of different scenarios you're kind of game playing out heading into into today and setting that roster in a few moments. Well, certainly it's a great question because as you just mentioned, you know, the chance for three games, you know, potentially two, you know, you just, you realize that that's short, that kind of short season uh, series requires you to think about 
the way the roster is built. And oftentimes you see more position players on a club like that than you would your full starting uh, pitching group because you know you're only going to use two to three starters and ultimately the rest of your bullpen. So I would anticipate that's the structure you know, probably on both sides here, both for the Blue Jays and for the Twins, uh, where you have maybe an extra guy on the bench that can help you in, in the right situation late in the game. Derek, congratulations on the regular season that uh, your Twins team put forth with the the 87 victories and and the winning of the American League Central and, you know, the individual statistics and the team statistics as a whole. It feels like deciding to build a team through pitcher strikeouts and batter home runs is a good formula for success. I mean, how direct was that? (laughs) Hey, you're going down the the list of things that you want your baseball team to do, and you're like, those ones seem important. Yeah, no doubt. And I think as you're talking about it and why we're talking today with playoff baseball and with so many good pitchers, right? When you, when you think about the matchup today and Kevin Gossman against Pablo Lopez, you've got two premium guys on the mound there, two of the best in the league this year. It's hard to come by four, five, six hits in a row in an inning. And so sometimes you need you know, a little bit of luck and maybe a couple hits along the way. And then the power really does play in the playoffs. And on the flip side, on the strikeout side, it's, it's the exact opposite, right? You, you need to get swing and miss in some big spots against some big hitters it's hard to do so we for, we built a team you know, over time really that that we felt would compete hopefully in this october season which is a little different than the regular season and i, I feel good about our club i know the blue jays feel great about theirs too yeah it is uh it is always an interesting thing in every sport but definitely in this one as well the idea of it is a very different animal a team that will get you through 162 versus the team that will get you through a three-game set or a five-game set or hopefully you you, you i know you hope to play uh, in a seven game series eventually there uh one part of your team building that i I don't think uh has gone ignored especially with the fact that uh one part of this trade is getting the ball today for for your team but pablo lopez for luis arise i mean that is not a small swing that's made you got to give talent to get talent and i think both sides of the the trade are pretty happy with how that turned out but you just talk about the 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 big swing that that was quite quite frankly i mean you you look at the production that arise had provided for you guys for the past uh, number of seasons and you know, it's it's hard to think you're going to be able to replicate that, but obviously Lopez has given you that in spades. Yeah, you know, a lot of people avoid you know, versions of those trades, mostly because um, just because of how high profile they are on both sides. You, know, you already know the player. He's already at the major league level. He's already performed. That's why you typically see the prospect for major league player trades. But we were in a position, you know, during the course of this offseason, talking with the Marlins, uh, that there was a path to acquire Pablo Lopez. We knew it was going to be painful, and it certainly was. You know, Luis Arise is a guy that we love, uh, grew up in our system, came through the minor leagues, is a very talented player. But we were also hunting a way to find a guy that could start a game one of a playoff series and ultimately a guy that could anchor our rotation for years to come. As you just said, you got to give up talent to get talent. And we knew that in Pablo we were betting on the right guy. It was tough to give up. Louis certainly was. We got a couple of additional prospects back in that deal that we think will help us down the line. So for us it was a, it was a target you know, to get that kind of premium pitching, hard to get free agency trade or otherwise, and ultimately we feel we acquired that. It's, uh, I'm glad it's worked out for both sides. I'm really happy for Louie there in the playoffs, too. Uh, yeah. I think it's a great story. Those guys will be connected forever. And, and Pablo Lopez was a great pitcher before he arrived in Minnesota, but obviously having a career year this season, first-time All-Star, the strikeout numbers spiking the way they did, 234 of them in 194 innings, especially standing out. How were you able to maximize his talent and maybe change the repertoire. I know he's added a couple of ticks to the, to, to the fastball as well. 
Yeah, we did target him with an idea that we had some things we could adjust along the way and maybe help him with. You know, he, as you said, he was always a very good pitcher at the big league level. Uh, he made an adjustment to the breaking ball, you know, ultimately that, that turned into, uh, you know, everyone talks about the sweeper these days, but that breaking ball that moves a little bit more left to right. And ultimately, when he made that adjustment and he took to it so quickly and he was so excited about it, he already had an elite changeup. He already had fastball velocity. So we were really able to just add an additional uh, secondary pitch that, that helped him along the way, and, and we saw results immediately. And, and this was our vision for how he could maybe elevate his game. I give a ton of credit to our, to our coaches, our staff, and everybody that found a way to, to get him to do it, but ultimately Pablo himself. This guy works as hard as anybody. He's a tremendous person. He cares. This is a guy that you want to t- build your pitching staff around. Do you feel that the division you operate in changes the way your team operates? I mean, it is such a topic of conversation, and yeah, it's about the Blue Jays, but it's about the other teams in the East, that the second the Yankees or Red Sox appear to be having a down year, it's okay, this is the year, you got to pounce because they're not going to stay down for forever. There isn't the you know necessary juggernaut. You guys have kind of traded division titles pretty evenly uh, over the last kind of decade or, or a couple of them anyways there. Do you feel the division changes the way teams operate in baseball and you know i know you know the division well from your your time before in cleveland as well yeah you know you look at it and you you with the balanced schedule now and the reality that we play a lot more games outside of the division i think you just got to build the best team you can you know that if you want to if you want to win in october you've got to build a good overall team as to how we play against our clubs in the division there's some young clubs they're in the probably more rebuild mode and, and are starting to come and you see young players like Bobby Witt in Kansas City or a couple of the young guys in Detroit that really turned corners this year. I mean, we know those guys are on the come, too. So Cleveland's been good for a long time. Uh, certainly, I, I know that from my experience there. But uh, ultimately, for us to, to win any division, you know, you don't take that for granted. Now you got to go show it in the postseason. Um, Canadian baseball fans are going to be very focused on Edouard Julien in this series, who we got a taste of um, at the World Baseball Classic playing for Team Canada, he's arrived on the scene at the major league level and performed right out of the gate. Like, what, what is the ceiling for this kid? You know, the ceiling is really unlimited. He's a guy that everyone should in Canada should be focused on. He's a, a tremendous player, great kid, continues to work to get better every year. Uh, Twins have had a long history of some great uh, Canadian baseball players and Justin Morneau and Corey Kofke and, and now Eddie you know, joining that group. And ultimately, I, I feel like, you know, when you watch Eddie play, this guy has an advanced approach for, I mean, he's a rookie and you, and you watch him in the box and he looks like a 10 year veteran, it's just the way he takes his at bats. He's working defensively to get better and better. I think that's the key area for him as he came through the minor leagues. But for us, he's been an absolute necessary piece of a team that ultimately got a chance to win this division. Is there a, a part of your team that you feel like doesn't get a, enough credit, be it a facet of it, the, you know, maybe it's the bullpen, maybe it's a particular player. I mean, you're obviously really proud of this thing. It's division champs that, that you've built there. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the starting pitching, for example. Obviously, the, the Lopez-Arise trade is the first thing, I think, for a lot of people outside of market that comes to mind. But do you feel like there's something that your team does particularly well that, that maybe isn't talked about enough outside of, of your market? Yeah, you know, I, when I look at our club, you know, this year, we've had some injuries, you know, for, to some premium players and some key players. We talked on the front end here about Carlos Correa and Royce Lewis and uh, certainly Byron Buxton, who's been a key to our team historically, has struggled some this year with injury. And when you have your premium guys, your top guys not performing best, usually that's a, a recipe for a really tough season on a lot of fronts. 
I think what's really been been fascinating for our club and what we're most proud of is, you know, guys like Michael Taylor and Kyle Farmer and Donovan Solano and Willie Castro. These are guys that weren't necessarily household names coming into the year that were secondary players in some ways that have truly stepped up and been key for us. So the likes of Eddie Julian and other rookies that have stepped in, Matt Walner, it's a, it's a, it's a team that has phases of, experienced vets who's gotten a chance to play a role, a key role for our team, but also some rookies and, and some premium players that have found a way to, to contribute at different phases of the season. I think we've been a full 26-man team all the way through the year, and hopefully that will continue here this fall. Obviously, Carlos Correa has had some moments in the postseason, uh, more than a few, and, and sounds like, uh, and again, you're not spilling the beans, he's going to be available for you in this wild card round after dealing with some plantar fasciitis. This has not been a prototypical Carlos Correa season start to finish when he's been healthy this season, but obviously the playoff pedigree, again, speaks for itself. How, how valuable do you think that the fact that he has some pretty significant reps during some pretty significant baseball games. How valuable could that be to, to the rest of your team headed into October? Well, I think it's crucial. I think when you have a guy who's been there before at the highest level and achieved at the highest level, you know, this was part of Carlos coming here and, and being a part of this for, for the future that we factored in was, you know, he has that and he's a leader. He's a leader in the clubhouse. You know, he's a guy who can slow some things down for guys that probably their heartbeats going a little fast, you know, to start today. So that's all normal, and I think that because he's been there, he's done it, he's shown it at the highest level, he's going to help uh, help navigate even the guys on the bench. You know, the things you don't see, not just in the game, but the things that have to happen to get everyone to play their best. Yeah, Correa and Springer are going to be having a leadership off in this series. It's like they also want to perform, but they'll, I feel like, take just as much pride in their teammates performing and, and whatever little bit they, they can help there. Uh, Derek, you know, we're, we're like 20 minutes there, 10 minutes into this conversation. I feel like we're all best friends now, so I can ask you about the awkward thing. It's all we've talked about today is this 18-game losing streak. How do you guys treat it in the building? I can see a world where you say, we're not talking about it. I have nothing to do with 2004. I don't know why anyone here should have to answer for that. But I also have heard from teams that have dealt with things like that in the past of, yes, we're talking about it because we want to own it and we want to snap it. What is the discussion surrounding your team uh, with the 18-game postseason losing streak? Yeah, I, th- I think it's the, the latter, as you just mentioned. Listen, we know it's a fact. It's part of our history. We're all Minnesota Twins now up here, and so we own everything that's come before and will come ahead of us. So our view of that is let's go do what we can do to, to, to go win a game you know, and ultimately just go from there. That's the way we focus every day. Our guys are so good about that. You know, As you mentioned, there's so many players on this team that have no history with any of that, mm-hmm. any of those years. And so ultimately their focus is just on – Showing up today at 3:38 when the first pitch goes local time here that we are we are ready to go, ready to play and put our best baseball in front of us. We've had that through the course of the year. We've had tough stretches, guys go down and not playing as good baseball and and rebounding every time. That's what this group's about. So that's our focus today. Mm-hmm. Now that again we're buddy buddy, you can tell us. You don't have to tell us what it is, but you can tell us if you have a tell on Kevin Gossman. All right? Like, you, you must, right? The way that your team has hit him, not just this season, but throughout the course of his entire career, it's it's otherworldly, and it has people in this market really scratching their heads and scared a little bit. Oh, gosh, he, he's a tremendous pitcher. I mean, like, there's no question. Is he, you know, he's one of the final probably top two for the Cy Young this year. You know, if he's not going to win it, ultimately he's, he's right there neck and neck with a few key pitchers. Uh, in the game, but I, I would say that uh, he's he's a tremendous pitcher. We've had a chance, you know, last couple times out to 
to play good baseball, have a good plan, have a good approach, and ultimately, uh, you know, find a way to get scratch some runs across. But that doesn't mean anything, you know, when you come to today. You know, he's he's going to put his A game on. Hopefully, our hitters put their A game on, and and we'll see where it shakes out. It'll be a tremendous matchup, no question about that. Oh, can't wait to watch it. And yeah, no typical uh, Minneapolis weather for October, right, Derek? Like I'm understood to, to believe, what is it, 80 plus there? What, what's going on? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be 80 plus. Uh, that doesn't mean it's going to be 80 plus tomorrow, as you yeah. know. As us in the northern uh, portions of this uh, this planet, we it can change quickly on us. So you know, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. But you know, it's going to be a great day for baseball. No question, it's going to feel more like summer than fall. Uh, but ultimately, hopefully, that works out uh, great for both clubs. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. You too, Derek Falvey, uh, Twins president of baseball operations putting the final touches. He's got 14. He's like, oh, let me just take a break. I know they're not going to take me all the way. That's to exactly o'clock. it. He wanted and, to, it's like when you're writing an essay and you're yeah. like, all right, let me, let me come back to this yeah. later. Yeah. Fresh eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so now putting the finishing touches on the postseason roster, getting ready to press submit in 14 minutes, uh, Minnesota twins and Toronto blue Jays. Uh, so reading between the lines there, I think Shulman nailed it. Uh, Byron Buxton. Did you notice how he came around to remembering him the second time he talked mm-hmm. about players who might be on the, the right. route? Yeah. You just leave that one alone. Probably not going to be there. Uh, and then Correa and Royce uh, probably going to be on that roster well, reading and, between the lines. And there. Buxton hasn't played, I think in, yeah. since August 1st. That'd be quite was, the, uh, yeah. When he was playing, it was not playing to the level that he's capable of playing. Yeah, I think both guys are going to be active. But again, I I, I read the, the quote from Royce Lewis yesterday in mm-hmm. talking about his potential availability for this series. It was not in glowing terms. No. It did not sound like a guy that's ready to go. Carlos Correa is the opposite. He's yes. like, I don't care. Like, yeah. well, you get me in there. Yeah, I'm ready to go. And I'll- remember, remember, it's good that he tore a thing in his foot. Remember? That's yes. good. Who told us that? Morosi? Yeah, John Morosi said it's good that the fascia, it, it, it tore. Uh, it's in shreds. Absolutely shredded to pieces. Sick. So so good for him. Um, he'll be on the roster, in the lineup today. And if I had to guess, I would say Royce Lewis is DHing for this Twins team mm-hmm. today. So that's the Twins side of things. I, I think that's pretty straightforward. There's not going to be any surprises there. You know, Chris Black, Mm-hmm. Blue Jays producer has been in my DMs and was obviously listening to the entirety of our four-hour radio program today. No, it couldn't have been because I gave him credit and he didn't DM me. So uh, that's so why I missed, missed that part only. A great point in, you know what, you raised, I already gave you credit, I but I'll you give did. you credit again for raising the Kikuchi thing. Thank you. About having yet another lefty, and the Blue Jays will already have two in the bullpen in Genesis Cabrera mm-hmm. and Tim Mesa, but having a third in that bullpen and perhaps, you know, as far as raw stuff is concerned, the best of the bunch. For sure. Uh, of all three, if he's not starting in the series, which he is not, Chris Bassett is going to start game three. If he is going to be used in leverage, is there not a case to have another pitcher on this roster, do what they did a season ago and have 13 pitchers? Because the prevailing wisdom the prevailing logic over the last couple of days in predicting what the blue jays will do is because the starters are so good because Mm -hmm. the relievers that they're going to carry are so reliable because it's only a three-game series you would only carry the 12 pitchers you'd have the additional Mm -hmm. player on the bench and that would allow you to keep cam eden and santiago espinal and davis schneider and obviously whit merrifield never in doubt being on this baseball team but if you're gonna have you say kikuchi 
not just as the emergency multi-inning dude, the mm-hmm. extra innings guy, which, okay, as much as the game stays the same as far as the pitch clock, there's no, there's obviously no ghost runner on second base in extra innings like the olden times <laughs> so that th- those games could, could last a lot longer than we're used yes. to seeing extra inning games last during the regular season. If you say Kikuchi's pitching in leverage and therefore removing himself from the potential to be the break glass guy mm-hmm. later on in the series, does it not make some sense to have a Bowden Francis on this this roster as opposed to an extra bench back? Okay, so what do you think is more like let's just let's talk this through. Let's workshop it. What is more valuable? The possible need to have broken glass twice in the series and have Bowden Francis there. Cause if you need to if you've if you've used Kikuchi mm-hmm. and you need Francis. I'm not saying it had to have gone disastrously, but I think it's probably going pretty disastrously for this Jays team. And do you want that more than a Santiago Espinal? We've talked about the necessity that's going to be pinch hitting with this team, the Cam Eden of it all. No, we haven't got to see it at the major league level, but just with how slow some of these Jays runners are, you absolutely have to have that guy there as a viable pinch hit or a pinch run candidate. So I understand the idea of, but what about if X, Y, and Z happen? If X, Y, and Z happen and you need to get to Bowden Francis, I think the series is already over. Yeah. Unless you're going into it with the plan of you say Kikuchi is my first lefty I'm going to in a leverage spot. And if that's the case, then it's a completely different conversation. I don't think that's how they're going to attack it. I don't think he should be or will be the first lefty. And that's the thing. They already have two lefties. I also think that while the most likely spot for a Bowden Francis type to pitch in a series like this is, you're right, when a game is out of reach and you just need an arm and you need to live to fight another day. Mm -hmm. The extra innings thing is real. It's right? not unreal. Yeah. Yeah. The, and Bowden Francis, he's not a position player. Like, he, that guy was effective. Now, he was. was in super low leverage, which is a little different than a postseason game, and especially extra innings mm-hmm. of a postseason game. But you're not protecting arms for the po- possibility of extra innings. It, let me just state this. Yes. I wouldn't do it. I would, I would not. I wouldn't I would have not. Bowden Francis no. on my roster. I would not. Five game gum up the works. Five with game another series. One. We can have a very very different conversation about this. I still don't know that I'm there, but that's a different conversation when you when well, you add in the two extra games possibly. Well, yeah, because you say Kikuchi's exactly. starting exactly. in that series. No, no, exactly. Right? It's very different math. But for this one, I understand it, but I just I don't I don't see it. I did want to throw this at you as well. Okay. I'm sure this has been thrown out. The possibility of why they're going uh, Romano and then Hicks. Do you think there's a world, and I'll just shout him out on the text line, Justin from Waterloo, he posits this theory. Do we think that Hicks comes out and they've seen 102 and then 97 looks like 92? Do you think there's something to that? Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, like it's, you know, when you're in the um, on deck circle, yeah. you got the the batting donut on mm-hmm. because the bat yeah. feels super light when yeah, you take exactly. that thing off. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense logically. Yeah. I still think you just want to give your best guy the spot and the if spot that, that matters the most, but uh. yeah. Oh, that's, that's really, it's not really nothing. interesting. In the old, like, is this anything? <laughs> could be something. It could like be a something. small something. I right, don't think it's the it's, big something. You're right. Cause it's not like Jordan Romano's uh, throwing poo up. There, no, right? no. Like he's still throwing 97. Ni- occasionally he touches 99. Right. But <laughs> he doesn't not, touch 102. No, it's like, there's a difference. And, we, and when we are like, we're, breaking down slices of slices mm-hmm. here like you don't think a major league 
baseball, like a major league hitter yeah. can can tell the difference. And uh, 95 looking different than 102, seven miles an hour being not insignificant. Mm-hmm. That's, not a, that's not a bad point at yeah, all. I like I, it. I will say it would be quite a thing because, yeah, okay, th- they reversed order on Saturday. There was a tie game. It was not a safe mm-hmm. situation, right. right? So so that was Jordan Romano coming in in the eighth inning. was tied 4-4, and he got the three outs. He did give up a double. Um, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember oh, if okay, it was a double or not. But No, he gave up a double, but he got out of the inning unscathed. Uh, and Hicks came in and got his three outs uh, before giving it up after that. We'll see if he gets his first save opportunity in the postseason. All right, baseball coming up at 4.30. Blue Jays talk plus next. See ya.